Hey mamas, before we get started, I just wanted to share a quick trigger warning that this episode includes discussion of domestic violence and abuse. Please jump off now if you need to. Much love, mama. Welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show, where moms get real about money to help you find your financial confidence and live your best life. Now let's talk money, mamas. Hey there, mamas. I'm your host, Chelsea Brennan, and today we're talking about a very important issue that we don't talk about enough, financial abuse. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, which is why I want to kick off the month explaining what financial abuse is, the common signs, and resources to help yourself and others. We need to talk about this issue because it is so much more common than we realize. And if more people knew the signs, we would be better equipped to protect ourselves and provide support to family and friends when they needed it. So before we get started, if you're in a situation where you feel unsafe or need help, you are not alone, and there are resources available to help you. Please call the Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE or visit loveisrespect.org for online chat, text, and phone support. I'm sending you lots of love and strength. Let's start with some statistics and definitions so we all know what exactly we're talking about here today. For whatever reason, our view of what domestic violence is and isn't is very narrow. And whether that's driven by law and order, the media, or however we choose to talk about domestic violence, we tend to only think about physical abuse and sexual abuse. But there are lots of different types of domestic violence. We have verbal abuse and emotional abuse and financial abuse, social abuse, passive abuse, gaslighting and deprivation, neglect and blackmail. There is a huge list. And there's all different levels of these things, which is part of what makes it so hard to define. What research shows, however, is that one in three women, one in three, will experience domestic violence in their lifetime, and one in four will experience extreme domestic violence. And the one type of abuse that comes up often, that's a really common form of abuse before we hit physical and sexual abuse and more serious physical forms of violence, is financial abuse. In fact, 99% of physical abuse cases have some form of financial abuse that predated it. Yet 78% of people don't know that financial abuse is even a type of domestic violence. They don't know what it is. So if you're hearing about this for the first time today, or you've heard the term but aren't quite sure what it means, you're far from alone. Here's the American Psychological Institute's definition of what financial abuse is. Financial abuse is defined as behavior that seeks to control a person's ability to acquire, use, or maintain economic resources and threatens their self-sufficiency and financial autonomy. Think about what this means. What we need to move through our world to have a sense of independence and safety. We need money to get our own housing, to get food to eat, to decide what jobs we do, where to shop, and so much more. So for people who are abusive or looking to control another person, money is a really easy way to start to do that. If you can control how someone uses money or how someone can access the job market, you can control everything they do. They're beholden to you. And sometimes people who aren't as familiar with domestic violence say things like, well, why don't they just leave? I don't know why you'd put up with that. I would just leave. But that train of thought implies that a person facing abuse has mobility, that they have the money to get themselves somewhere safe, can afford to live on their own. And not everyone has that flexibility, especially if they've been facing financial abuse. 
This is one reason that while domestic abuse is a major problem across income levels, I actually knew a managing director at my first Wall Street job who faced years of domestic violence while making mid-six figures and having grown up in a happy home. This can truly happen to anyone. But it's more prolonged, meaning it has more time to escalate at lower income levels where people already have less financial mobility. It's also why research suggests domestic violence is more severe for mothers, especially those who have been out of the workforce, who would have to provide for children on their own if they left and possibly worry about custody battles with an abusive partner. So it's especially important that we talk about this issue here with a group of moms so we have more of the tools to keep ourselves and others safe. Okay, so all of this up to this point has been kind of dark and heavy, and I wish I had the magic answer for you to keep everyone safe all the time. I truly do. But while I can't do that, I can share with you the warning signs of financial abuse so that you can identify it earlier on and address it with yourself and with your friends before it escalates. So let's talk about the six signs of financial abuse. And for some of these, we'll talk through them, but I'll also dive into the layers of this because that's where it becomes a tough thing when we bring in the word abuse, right? No one wants to believe they're being abused. It's a tough conversation to have in general. And there's a range of healthy relationships. Like some of us just have a tough time talking to our spouse about money at all. That's not the same as financial abuse necessarily. It could be something you kind of raise your eyebrow at like, hey, that's a bit concerning. And then there's some real, this is a problem that you can't put up with and you might need to get some help levels of concern. We're going to talk about what some of those different levels look like. And then we'll talk about what to do if you feel like you're in one of these situations or you know someone who is. Okay. Does that sound good? The first sign of financial abuse is preventing financial account access. So if you don't have steady, consistent access to your money, that can be a sign of financial abuse. Let's think about this. A lot of the language that goes around this sign at the beginning is, you know what? You're just bad with money. You've gotten into debt before. You spend money on stupid stuff. I'm just going to handle it from now on. And then they slowly limit your access to your money. That's problematic. It's an abuser training you that you're bad with money and making removing your autonomy your fault. That's not okay. No one is destined to be bad at money. We can all learn, and your partner should not be in a control position of your money. Let's talk about the range here. Healthy is providing steady access to both your private and shared funds. You should always have access to your money, even if one person does the majority of the budgeting and management. Concerning, a little bit raise your eyebrows, is making accessing your money troublesome. Your partner will give you access to the account, they'll let you take money out of the account, but you've got to ask permission or he or she has the passwords. You've got to jump through some unnecessary hoops. So raise your eyebrows if that's happening and see if maybe you can get back to a healthy stage. Now, whoa, whoa, not okay is denying you access to your own money or family money if you're a stay-at-home parent. Not only is that illegal, but it's obviously a very concerning sign of financial abuse. Preventing financial account access that should definitely be setting off some of your radar. Now we talk here about ranges and some people are gonna hear this and maybe one person does manage the majority of the finances and you or your partner doesn't feel like they have regular access. Any of these steps, this is only the first one we're gonna talk through. Any of these signs should be looked at together, right? One of these things is not necessarily financial abuse. It's not necessarily the beginning of financial abuse. You know that feeling in your stomach of whether or not something is right or wrong, and you're gonna be the judge of whether what we're talking about here qualifies as abuse in a situation you're seeing personally or with a friend. And frankly, I can tell you right now that 
my relationship with my husband would be marked as concerning right now because he has to ask me the passwords to get into the accounts. Is that because I am telling Jeremiah he needs to ask me to go into the accounts? Absolutely not. He lost his password to LastPass like a year ago. He hasn't worked to reset it. And so everything is encrypted, these long passwords. And if he doesn't have his LastPass account, it's harder to access. He's got to ask me to send in the password. That is not on its own financial abuse, right? And so keep that eye open too, that if you hear a couple of these signs, a couple of them are setting off, you know, some detector in your brain, then really start to think about whether or not this might be financial abuse for you or a loved one. But one thing on its own, keep in mind the range, the healthy to the whoa, whoa, not okay, and what it feels like to you. The second sign of financial abuse is restricting daily spending. And so this is one that comes up a lot. And unfortunately, we've heard many stories from women in our community about this type of restriction, where one partner is specifying how much the other one can spend, where there's a double standard around who can spend money. You don't feel like you have choices about what is valuable to you, and you don't feel like you have choice about how your money as a family gets used. So- Let's talk about the levels here. Healthy, setting a budget together and each having a fixed amount to spend. This doesn't necessarily mean you both have the same fixed amount to spend, but you've come to the decision together that that is how much you can handle, okay? And so that might you might feel restricted, but if you're both feeling that and you've decided on it together, that's completely healthy. Concerning, a little bit raise your eyebrow, is your partner sets an allowance for you that you have limited control over or choice in, and there's major double standards on who gets to spend money on what and when. So this could be a partner saying to the other partner that they have $20 to spend a month on themselves while they themselves spend frivolously all the time on whatever they want, but the partner can only get $20 and that the partner can't debate whether $20 is the right choice. That is restrictive. That's an imbalance of power and that's concerning. Not okay is when you need to ask permission to access any of your money. Your partner decides what you get to purchase and how much you get to spend for necessities like groceries or kids' clothes. This is where we hear about it when it gets to be a real abuse situation, right? Where someone says, my partner gives me this much money for groceries. It's the only money that they'll give me for the whole week. I don't have access to a credit card. I don't have access to my debit card. This is the only money that I get. And I'm supposed to do all of the groceries and get gas for my car and pay my student loans. And my partner says, well, figure it out if you can't use that little money, right? This site of complete abuse, especially when the partner is asking for receipts, is wanting proof of how you spent that money, is really tracking where you're going and how you're spending money, that is a real not okay situation when we talk about financial abuse, okay? We go back to control being the root of most domestic violence. This is complete control and complete imbalance of power. The third sign of financial abuse is stealing money or requiring you to fund their wants, right? So this is taking money out of your purse, transferring money out of bank accounts, pulling money out of 401ks to use for things that are not agreed upon, that they're doing in secret, and that they're not paying back. This is more relevant if you keep separate finances. It's harder to track when you keep combined finances, but you'll know that too, right? When money is getting used um, without your knowledge or permission, which is actually another sign we'll talk about later. But requiring you to fund their wants and saying, well, if you loved me, you would give me the money to do this. If you cared about me, if you were really committed to this relationship, if you were really good with money, you would help me with this thing. 
It's when we're guilting into giving people money or they're taking it away from us without permission and then getting really defensive or not paying it back when you bring it up to them, right? This is a sign of financial abuse. This one, I think, is a pretty natural range you're going to see, right? If the pizza guy comes and they don't have any money in their wallet and they pull $20 out of your purse to pay the pizza guy and forget about it and you're married, that's probably not something that you're really all that worried about. If they're taking $2,000 out of the shared checking account to go on a guy's trip for the weekend and they don't tell you that they use that money, that is a little bit more concerning. And obviously, when you're talking about big sums of money, or when they are wanting you to give the majority of the money you earn to them for wants and for things to prove your love to them, that's concerning as financial abuse. Now, before we move on to the fourth sign of financial abuse, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our partners who help make the Smart Money Mama show possible. I'll be right back. Are you ready for the money event of the year? Our free Mama's Talk Money Summit, featuring over 40 of the best women in personal finance and business, is happening October 12th through the 16th. We're going all out this year. We'll have live Q&A with speakers, thousands of dollars in giveaways, worksheets to help you take action on everything you learn, and so much more. We're going to be talking about everything from mindset and budgeting to finding passion-driven work and building generational wealth. Oh, and did I mention it's completely free? Grab your ticket now at mamastalkmoney.com and come talk money with us. All right, mamas, so let's keep talking about what some of these signs are. And I know that this is a tough episode. I know we're talking about deep things and that maybe this is something you've never experienced before. And if that's the case for you, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you've never experienced abuse. I'm so glad that you might not feel all that connected to what we're talking about. But this is very, very important for us to talk about because even if you haven't seen it, there is almost guaranteed someone in your life who has. And so when we normalize talking about it, we normalize understanding what financial abuse, what other forms of domestic violence look like, we can be better allies. And so keep listening, keep hearing the signs, keep looking out for the people in your life as well as yourself so that you can stay safe and maintain your autonomy and build lives that you love, okay? Normally we talk about super positive, upbeat, you can do it things here. We have that same message right now, but in a sense of if you're in a hard time, we see you and we want you to get the help that you need. So the fourth sign of financial abuse is sabotaging employment or education opportunities. Okay, this is a big one a big, big, big one for moms. One of the things we hear from moms in our community or have heard before is often with when they first become parents. Mom decides she wants to be a stay-at-home mom for the first year or two that their kids are alive. And then maybe they decide as a, as a couple, you and your partner, that when your child reaches toddler age, they're going to go to preschool and you're going to go back to work. This is a temporary amount of time you're going to take off from work. And then the kid hits their second birthday and mom wants to apply for her first job and dad says, I don't think that's a good idea for our family. I think it's really better if you're home with them and supporting my career and this is just a really busy time and I don't, I don't think you should go back to work. And mom really wants to go back to work and so she tries to push and dad gets more and more dug in and I don't think you should work. I don't think you should work. This can elevate to actually sabotaging employment opportunities, to answering the phone and turning down job recommendations, right? This can be calling unprovoked to your office, to your manager and making statements. And we'll talk about this at the different levels. If you're feeling like you're not supported in your career and you're not equal partners and both of your careers have equal value, this is a concern, right? Once again, on its own, not financial abuse. 
But when you don't have the ability to build your own career and your own earnings platform, your own earnings base, that's when you get back to that control place, right? Where you don't have an ability to fund yourself to get the financial mobility that you need. So healthy, a healthy relationship would be stopping by your workplace occasionally in socially appropriate ways, stopping by to drop off lunch every once in a while, coming to a mixer that your office is throwing. Cool. Awesome. So glad you're being supportive of my employment and career. And this can look like too, you get a job offer across the country and the whole family wants to move and your partner is raising concerns and they're having com- you're having honest, open conversations about whether or not this is a good choice. It doesn't mean they always need to be flag waving, yes, 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 take that next opportunity, but it does mean that they need to be open to having those conversations and supportive of you in general and that their concerns are about truly your happiness as a family and your happiness as an individual. Concerning, a little bit raise your eyebrows, calling you all the time at work, visiting unannounced, checking in on what exactly you're doing all day, ignoring or minimizing your career success, complaining about your regular schedule or workload and how it impacts them, right? Not respecting your work, checking up on you, really feeling like they're, they're this oversight party in your life. And the last one, the no, 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 not okay, is ambushing you at work with tons of calls, texts, and in-person visits talking to your boss without permission, telling managers that there's a lot going on in your life right now and you might just need a break. This actually happens, guys. People will do this to their partners to make sure that maybe they're back at home or maybe they're reliant on them financially. Again, this happens. Turning down job offers for you, criticizing or belittling your career. Like I said at the beginning of this step, you deserve a partner who supports you in your career and your career goals. And these other things that can happen that we mentioned and concerning and not okay that limit your career growth, these are signs of financial abuse and they can be concerning. All right. The fifth sign of financial abuse is excluding your partner from financial decisions. When you're not in the know about your financial situation and health, you don't actually know what your options are. You aren't able to contribute to decisions that should have been made as a couple. And in escalated situations, you don't know what resources you have to plan an escape. This is when you're feeling in the dark about your finances. Healthy is discussing your finances as a couple on a regular basis, co-signing together on any major purchases and having agreed to make them together, and opening shared accounts as needed. So you're both aware of all the major moving pieces in your financial life. Yay. Healthy. We love it. Concerning, raise your eyebrow, is hiding financial documents or claiming to not have them, preferring that only one partner signs for major purchases and keeping your name off of major assets, right? Your home, your car, um, when they are saying that they don't want you on that for some reason, or they want you to sign for a car loan for their car on your own. These are all concerning. And then making decisions without asking for your input. Once again, these are ranges here, guys. And so I'm gonna keep saying that because I want you to remember it, and the only person who knows what is abuse and what is not is in that relationship. There's a lot of gray here and what is abuse in some households is not in others. And so when we think about buying a car as a Christmas gift, right? You see those commercials with the big red bow on the hood. If you have a lot of money, like I mean like a lot of money, a lot of money, and a $60,000, you know, new BMW is not actually a huge deal and it's like it is a fun gift and it doesn't derail your financial goals, fantastic. Cool. Great gift. If it's something that's going to saddle you with several years of debt and huge car payments and all kinds of other risks, that's not a thoughtful gift 
that can be very manipulative, especially if all of a sudden that person starts driving that car that they gifted you or for whatever reason, right? So keep in mind that range. But if you're feeling excluded, that's when we get concerned. Not okay. No, no, not okay. Forcing you to sign documents without explanation when they are just shoving something in front of you and saying signing it and you're finding out down the road that it was some big loan or it was some big payment that you weren't aware of. Making large financial decisions without you withdrawing money from a 401k, taking out a line of credit, or buying a house. So much of this, guys, is verification and making sure that you are consistently discussing finances and staying aware of everything that's happening. And so one thing that we've heard before is, imagine if your partner got sick or had a traumatic brain injury, right? Sometimes people's moods and personalities start to shift. And if we're not regularly paying attention, things can get way out of hand um, when it's hard to correct it back, right? Where someone was good with money for a long time, then they got sick and they start spending a lot of money and hiding it and hiding debt. And once you figure it out, now it's much, much harder to help them and to unravel, right? So that's not an abuse situation, but that's a case where once again, you just have to keep talking about money. Just stay aware. If you feel like you're constantly paying catch up with what's going on in your financial life, this is something you want to think about. These are things where as the pieces come together, they're excluding you from decisions and restricting your spending. They're excluding you from decisions and sabotaging your work opportunities. That's when you get that feeling in your belly that maybe things are not okay and I might need to talk to somebody. The sixth sign of financial abuse is overusing your credit cards or causing debt. All right, here's where I want to remind you that financial abuse is not just between intimate partners. It can also be to parents to kids. So overusing your credit cards is just taking your cards and maxing them out and then not helping you pay them down. It's taking out a card in your name without permission, spending money on it and not paying on it. So it tanks your credit score and now you owe these huge debts. It's causing debt. It's missing payments. It's taking out lines of credit that you weren't aware of anything that sabotages your credit score. And this is another part of mobility. Think about if you had to go get an apartment or you had to go rent a car and your partner has tanked your credit score. And now when they pull that credit report, they don't want to rent you a house. They don't want to give you a credit card that you can put some emergency expenses on when you first leave a relationship. That credit score, right or wrong, does open doors for you. And so when they're saddling you with debt that's massive payments you would have to pay back if you were on your own or they're tanking that credit score so that you have less options, that is financial abuse. And so remember that you are still your own individual. Your partner cannot sign for things for you. That is not okay, not with your permission. And that parents and kids can have this happen. And so sometimes we hear these very sad stories of kids get to college age and they apply for student loans and their credit score is in the toilet and they can't get the loans that they need. Or they graduate from college and they go to rent an apartment and they find out their credit score is terrible. And it's because mom and dad got into financial trouble, used their social security number to take out a loan and then didn't pay it back. And now their credit score is really low and it's hard to get those things taken off. Never do that. Never take out credit in your child's name. That is not okay. And if you know someone that's doing that, let them know that that's not legal and that is not appropriate um, and that it puts their kid's financial future at risk. One of the ways that you can watch this, by the way, because abusers are very manipulative and very, very sneaky, okay, is to check your credit report on a regular basis. So whether that's signing up for something like Credit Karma or Discover's free credit score tracker or just using your once a year free pass to pull your credit score from all three major agencies. 
see what new accounts are being brought in on it and how your credit score is changing so that if there's something that you didn't sign for or you didn't know about, it will pop up on those reports. Definitely check it. You can even check your kids' reports in case their social security numbers have been stolen or a family member is using that in a way that they shouldn't be, right? So you have that free check every year on all credit scores. And so make sure you're checking in on those things, keeping an eye on it, keep verifying. That's how you're gonna keep everybody safe. And it's just a smart move to know what's going on with your credit. We got identity theft, all kinds of crazy things happen, right? So those are our six signs of financial abuse. We're going to go through them again real quick here. Preventing financial account access, restricting daily spending, stealing money or requiring you to fund their wants, sabotaging employment or education opportunities, excluding your partner from financial decisions, and overusing your credit cards or causing debt. How do you help yourself if you feel like you might be in an abuse situation or you're feeling unsafe? First off, if you're asking yourself if you're being abused, you probably are, at least on some level. Our abusers are master manipulators and can convince you that what they do is all your fault. So if some piece of your brain still has that, hold up, this doesn't feel right signal going off, talk to somebody. Call a close friend or family member, even if you haven't talked to them in a while. This is another aspect of domestic abuse that is so common, which is isolating you from the people who care about. So even if you haven't talked to them in a while, even if maybe you ended things on bad terms, call them. I'm sure they're there for you. Make sure you have someone to listen to you. Call the domestic violence hotline, 1-800-799-SAFE, or visit their website at thehotline.org. There are trained professionals and counselors that can talk to you about what your next options are and what to think about as you face these situations. Remember, for anything that you use online, thehotline.org, and our next resource, loveisrespect.org, people may be tracking your internet history. So uh, pay attention to that. Use incognito windows. uh, Close things when you're done just to keep yourself safe. You might not think anything will ever happen, but we want to make sure that we're aware of what might pop up if someone goes looking for it. If you're not quite ready to talk about it yet, we totally understand and we'll include links in the show notes to a few articles about financial abuse so you can read more and decide what you want your next steps to be. My last piece of advice for you is to please talk to a professional or a friend before confronting your partner about their actions, no matter what you think their response may be. Physical violence or lashing out is common when abusers are challenged or backed into a corner. Please keep yourself safe. You might think that nothing will happen and that it'll just be a calm conversation, but make sure that you've talked to somebody and explained your situation so that they can tell you what the smartest thing is to do moving forward. I'm sending lots of hugs and lots of love. Now, we can't end this episode without talking about how to help your friends or loved ones that may be in an abuse situation, because I know many of you listening have never faced these situations, but you want to know, how do I help that some of these things that you we brought up have set off some signals of things you've noticed with friends or couples, and that now you want to know how to help? So the first thing I want to tell you is what we've mentioned throughout this episode, which is nobody, except for the people in the relationship, know what is going on. You do not have the full picture for anybody in your life. You might think you have some signs of something that's going on, but you do not know. The number one thing, all you want to do for a friend or loved one who may be in an abuse situation is to let them know that you are there. The goal is not disclosure. You're not trying to make them admit to you that they're being abused or that they think they're being abused. You just want to let them know that you're there for them to talk. Try not to use the word abuse. Say something like, hey, I've noticed a few things and I'm worried about you. I'm here if you want to talk. 
Abuse is a big and a scary word, and it can put people on the defensive and even make them a little bit scared because they're worried about having that conversation and their partner finding out if they're in a tough situation, right? So you're just cracking the door. You're letting them know that you're paying attention, that you love them, that you think they deserve a happy, healthy relationship. The last thing I want to tell you is to not give advice you're not qualified to give. Like we mentioned in the last point about what to do if you are in an abuse situation, these situations can be dangerous for people. 75% of women who are killed in domestic violence incidents are killed after they left. We're not saying that's going to happen, but we're saying is that professionals understand how to navigate these situations in a way that keep the person safe. And so something you might think that you're helping with when you're giving them exact steps like, hey, why don't you hide money here? Hey, why don't you leave and go this way? You might be putting them at greater risk. And so make sure you're just giving them referrals of people to help. Offer to go to the police station with them and hold their hand or meet up with them for coffee afterwards. Offer to research shelters and options or people that they can call. But do not say do X, Y, Z if you're not qualified to give that advice. I know you want to help. You're so caring. But just make sure that you're staying in a place that keeps everybody safe. I love you guys. I know today's episode hasn't been an easy one. This is a heavy topic, but I do hope that you learned something and feel just a bit more empowered to maintain your own financial autonomy, watch out for yourself and your loved ones, and have empathy for what so many others are facing. You deserve a healthy, thriving relationship where your partner views you as a true partner, where they support your career, where they want to reach goals together. We all deserve that. You're so strong, and you've got this, mama. As a reminder, you can view the full show notes of this episode and access links to all the resources we mentioned at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash 73. I'm so grateful that you joined me today for this discussion in honor of Domestic Violence Awareness Month. If you learned anything today, hit subscribe in your podcast app and tell a friend. I so appreciate you helping spread the word. Keep talking money, mama. I'll see you next time. 